Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I want you to get your Bibles, and I'd like for you to just remain standing and turn to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 7. I hope you bring your Bible to church. If you've got your phone, use your digital Bible or your Kindle or iPad or whatever you have. It's always good to have your Bible. And if you'll open it up, 1 Samuel chapter 7, I want to read six verses, but I want to read really a preach about the history of Israel here and about revival. 1 Samuel chapter 7, beginning at verse 1, Then the men of kirjath Jerem came and took the ark of the Lord, that's the ark of the covenant, and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill, and consecrated Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And so it was that the ark remained in kirjath Jerem a long time. It was there 20 years. 20 years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. You see that? The crying out after Jesus. Then Samuel, this is the prophet, really the only prophet at that time. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel saying, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. And so the children of Israel put away the Baals and Ashtoreths and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. And so they gathered together at Mizpah. Notice this. They drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said, there we have sinned against the Lord and Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah you can be seated thank you for respecting the word of God I've entitled this message today 20 years for a revival 20 years for a revival I'm coming today I'm your pastor but I'm feeling like an evangelist today 20 years for a revival when You hear the word revival. What do you think? We throw that word around so much. But what do you think of when you hear the word revival? Perhaps in your mind you think about a series of services with an evangelist. That is a revival. Perhaps when I say the word revival, you think about a spiritual awakening that occurs in an individual or in a church. Well, that is revival. Maybe in your mind, revival is seeing a great harvest of souls in a local church. People getting saved. Hey, we're seeing a lot of people saved in our church. We're having revival. I'd say there's a lot of truth to that. Somewhere along the way, we came up with the idea that you can schedule a revival. <clears throat> when I was growing up, we, we saw that a lot. A, a revival can come to your church if you get an evangelist there and you can do it in two days or maybe three days or five days or seven days. 
You schedule these series of meetings that if we just do all these things, we will experience revival in our church. And I understand that. During the mid-2000s, my brother-in-law, Joel Talley, came here to preach a revival. We scheduled a series of meetings. I think it was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if I remember, Sunday night. And Joel came and he preached those nights. And man, we had a powerful time. When we got to Wednesday night and Thursday, Joel and I were talking. I said, Joel, I've never done this before, but I don't feel like this revival's over. Joel and I, our nicknames for each other are Bubba. When he calls me, he'll say, Bubba! I'll say, Bubba! It's just a thing we've done for 30 plus years. He said, Bubba, I don't think it's over either. I said, can you stay here another week? He said, I've got a revival plan, but I'm going to call the pastor and tell him I can't come. We went a second week of revival. When we finished that second week, I said, Joel, I don't think we're done yet. He said, I don't either. This went on for seven weeks. Seven weeks we had a revival here and God moved and people's lives were changed and people from the community came in to be part of what was happening. So I understand what that means when you talk about scheduling a revival and going seven days or seven weeks or whatever. I understand all that. But now let me ask you this question. What do you think about a church that it took 20 years for the revival to come. I mean, it's one thing if you can get revival to come in five days or three days or even if it takes seven weeks, but what if it took 20 years for your church to have revival? That was the case with the children of Israel. I did a study on where they were at the time of our text, and it's disappointing. Socially and spiritually, they were in a horrible condition. Judges 21-25 gives commentary. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Does that sound anything like today? Sure is. There was no civil authority. There was a lack of spiritual authority. And we would say today that were people that were living any old way they wanted to. The nation was defeated. The priesthood was decayed. And God's glory had departed. How's that? They were in bad shape. The nation was characterized by apostasy and synchronism. Let me explain those two words. The word apostasy, and it's a biblical word, simply means a falling away. It's when you fall away from God, you fall away from the faith, and you just go in a different direction back into sin. That's exactly what had happened. The people had fallen away from serving God wholeheartedly. Yes, every once in a while you'd find a godly person like Elkanah and Hannah, who were the parents of the prophet Samuel. You'd find good folks like that, but across the board, most people were living in abject sin. And then there was another category. There was those people that didn't just totally throw their hands up and give up on God, but they tried, watch this now, they tried to hang on to God, but also hang on to the gods of the world. That's syncretism. Syncretism is when you blend the traditions and the rituals and the beliefs of two or more religious thoughts. And so they had 
tried to keep worshiping Jehovah and at the same time worship the Canaanite gods of Baal and Ashtoreth. Let me tell you, God will not tolerate that. I, I know this is pithy, but it's true. He's either Lord of all or he ain't Lord at all. And I know all the teachers said, don't say ain't, but I just did. So sorry it came out. The first commandment tells us that God will not tolerate this. You shall have no other gods before me. The third thing that characterized the terrible state of Israel, that it was that no one was declaring the word of the Lord to the people. If you go back to chapter 3, verse 1, this is how it reads, And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. We have the luxury today of owning Bibles, but such was not the case for the people of God in this time. They relied on the prophets and the priests to preach and teach God's word to them. But what we understand is that there were no prophets other than Samuel, and the priests were corrupt and lazy and were no longer teaching the word of God. Let me see if I can get you to understand this. Because it sounds like they're just like all the other nations. But now hold on a minute. There are some things that had not changed. They still had a tent of meeting. They still had a priesthood. They had the Levites. They had the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God. They had the law of God. Now here's what we would say in 2023. We would say that they had a church building. They had a pastoral staff. They had the deacons. They had symbols that represented God, and they had the Bible. But what they did not have that mattered the most was a real living relationship with a living God. They were guilty of playing games and toying with sin. They had the form of godliness, but they had denied the power thereof. And here's the sad point. Now, I'm preaching to my church, but right now I've got a shotgun, and I'm just going to preach it about every church. Sometimes we pastors like to do this because we keep our pulse, try to, on the nation as well. But I think the same thing can be said of many churches in America. They have a church building. They have a pastoral staff. They have deacons. They have state-of-the-art equipment. They have a sign out front that identify it as a house of God. They, everybody has a hard copy Bible or a digital Bible on, those fo- on their phones. But if you stay in that church long enough, you will discover that those same people are playing church and living in sin. Church is a game played on Sunday. The rest of the week, they talk and act and think like people who don't go to church. They are sinful. They are corrupt. And when you go to the churches, their worship services are dead and the glory of God does not warm the atmosphere. That was the condition of Israel. What Israel needed was a revival. That's the condition of a lot of churches. What churches need today is a modern day revival. Y'all, we need a move of God that shakes us to our very foundation and transforms us into a people who are on fire for God. That's revival. Can I just preach right here? We need the fire of God to fall and burn away our carnality. We need the blood of Jesus to flow and wash away our sins. We need the spirit of God to blow on us and make us alive in the spirit. We need to stop playing church and start having church and start being the church. 
We need the glory of God to fill our sanctuaries to the point that God is permitted to change our order of service and we get out of the way and say, Lord, have your way and do whatever it is that God wants us to do. We need some people to pray fervently like the words of the old hymn, Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now and baptize everyone with the Holy Ghost and fire. Come on, give God a praise in this house this morning. Nothing worse than a dead church, except maybe a dead preacher. I marvel at the fact that it took 20 years for revival to come to Israel. So I investigated. I was an investigative reporter. Why did it take so long? And here's what I discovered. The prophet of God nor the people of God were ready for revival. I have enough sense to know that you have to till the ground before you can plant the seed. I have enough sense to know that you have to preheat the oven before you can bake the cake. I have enough sense to know that the team has got to practice multiple times before you can get out there and win the football game. Often God has to prepare the pastor and the people before he can send revival. So they only had one. His name was Samuel. So I studied Samuel. I learned things. There were things that I knew, but I didn't put them all together. There are things that for me were revelatory. Samuel alone was God's man that was in tune with God. And he spent 20 years, watch this, doing some things that prepared the people for revival. He did what the preacher could do. The first thing he did is he spent 20 years trying to get the present church leadership to get their act together. He went after the priest and said, start teaching the word. Stop being corrupt and lay. Live right. Teach the word. Set the example. He, he created accountability and said, with the, with the present generation of leadership, you got to get your act together. But then he did something else that excites me. I'll be 57 in a few weeks, but I have a heart for young people and young preachers. And I'm talking about young adults. I, I, I hope I never lose my passion to help the next generation move into God. And that's what he did. He formed these things called schools of the prophets. Schools of the prophets. And what there, there were young men who felt the call of God in their life to flow in the prophetic, to declare the word of the Lord. And Samuel would identify these men and gather them together and he would mentor them and coach them, teach them how to flow in the spirit. So he was working on the present generation, somebody hearing what I'm preaching today, and he was working on the next generation, and by doing that, he didn't realize it, maybe he did, but he was getting himself ready for the next move of God. Now I'm going to tell you this morning, for revival to come to the church, it's going to start with the pastors and it's going to start with the church leaders. Now I believe we had a state of a long, long revival, not scheduled services, but a spiritual awakening in 2022. But God gave me this a few weeks ago, and I've been anxious to get to the pulpit that I believe, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I believe in 2023 that God wants to give us what we thought we had last year. He's going to take it to a whole other level of the move and the power and the presence of God at High Praises Church in 2023. I think that's why He gave me this message today. There, but if, listen, for it to happen, pastors of High Praises, we got to get ourselves ready. Elders, 
You're going to have to get yourself ready. Deacons, you need to get yourself prepared. Small group leaders, life group leaders, we are the leaders of the church. We're going to have to get ourselves in a place. If we, can I just preach? I don't know if I'm going to get this done or not. But if we've gotten lazy, we're going to have to get off of our cans, as the old saying goes, and we've got to get, to get to work for God. If we've got to where we're not praying, we need to get back to praying. If we're not reading our Bible, I'm talking about the leadership. We're not reading our Bibles like we should. You need to get back reading our Bibles. If, if we think we're going to operate alone in our flesh and we've stopped leaning on the Holy Ghost, God forgive us and help us. And let's get back to leaning on the presence and the power and the unction and the anointing of the Spirit of the living God. going to start with us when we get revived then God can lead the church into the next move of God but I just want to say this I don't think God just wants to use the present generation I don't think he wants any revival to be an old person's revival we have too many young adults in this church there's a whole bunch of you man you don't know how glad I'm here, that I am that you're here it thrills my heart to look out here and see all these 20 and 30-somethings. And some of you getting older, you're starting to become 40, some of y'all. Trying to catch up with me, aren't you? You don't even want to talk about the fact you're not in your 30s anymore. It's all right. It just gets worse. Just kidding. You don't know what it does to me to look out here every Sunday and y'all just keep coming in. That shows me there's a generation that's ready for revival. There's a generation that's hungry for a move of God. And I just want to say this this morning. God wants to send revival to the next generation. God wants to raise up sons and daughters who are hungry for a move of God. Sons and daughters who are willing to be used by God. Sons and daughters who long to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in high praises there is a generation that God has not just raising up. I think He's raised them up. I think we're going into 2023 and right now you're all about to come out of your seat because you're saying, yes, Pastor, that is exactly how I feel. I want to be a man or woman of God, anointed by God, somebody that God can use this year. In this might be the last year we have. Jesus may come this year. I don't want to be found just sitting on my hands. I want God to be in me and work through it. I want my wife to see it. I want my husband to see it. I want my little children to see it. I want my mom and dad to see that I'm, a, I'm right now that mom that their son or daughter is on fire for Jesus Christ. I believe there's a generation like Gideon that's saying, where are the miracles of our forefathers? I think there's a generation of Elishas that are saying like Elisha did, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Well, I'm here to tell you, he's right here. He's right here. Just reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by. You'll find he's not too busy to hear your heart. He's passing by this moment. You don't have an evangelist. You just got me, but you don't even need that. He's here. The one who breathes on us is here. The Spirit of God is here. God was getting the leadership ready, but God was getting Israel ready. This is going to speak to some people. You listen to me. Listen to me now. Due to their sins, Israel had fallen, fallen under the dominion of the Philistines, their arch enemies. So consequently, they were living defeated lives. They were living rough. You know what I've learned? 
This is sad. I've learned some people have to hit rock bottom before they can experience a revival, before God can do anything with them. Joel and Mark and I sing a song. We, we actually sang it at the senior adult Christmas. There's a light at the end of the darkness. So look up when you are down and try to believe. Sometimes we have to be knocked down to make us look upward. I was looking up through the bottom when it finally shined on me. And that's how some people are. They have to get knocked on their back at the bottom of the well before they'll reach God. Now that's sad, but that's about how it was with Israel. What was so great is that God was working on them through their hardship. He was using it to make them hungry for him. See, if he had sent revival before they were ready, any of the results would have been temporary. They would have been superficial. There's a timing with God. And I've seen that time and again. <laughs> Y'all may have seen this. I want to tell a funny story my dad always told. People will get saved. I say saved. Air quote saved. Evangelists will come to have a revival. And this certain guy, he'll come to the altar and get saved. Everybody get rejoices and gets happy. He'll live for the Lord for about two weeks. And then he's back living in sin again until the next revival. And then the evangelist gives an altar call and he comes down to the altar and he prays. He gets saved. In about two weeks he lives for the Lord, three weeks, and then he goes back into sin. And then about so many weeks later, revival comes and it's just a, it's just a routine. And there's a story told that the guy in the church that did this, evangelist came, gave an altar call and that cat came to the altar. Little old saint of God, she came down there and got beside him. She knew how he was. While he was praying, she said, Oh, Lord, just save him and kill him. Lord, just save him and kill him right now. Because she knew if he got up out of the altar, he'd backslide again. I don't know. Maybe we need to start training the prayer partners. Save him and kill him, Lord. You know, we're laughing, but it's sad, isn't it? Somebody here may be here this morning, and that's you. You feel like you're at the end of your rope. But I'm telling you, God can reach you right where you are and turn things around. Get you to the other end of the rope. For 20 years, it seemed like nothing was happening. But in reality, God was working. I just want to tell somebody this morning, you may feel like nothing is happening in your life. You may like, feel like spiritually it's dead. You feel like that you're in a dry place. I'm talking to some people this morning. Listen to me. You wonder if God is even around. I came here to remind you that God is working. You may not feel him, but God is working. He is up to something. He is moving. He is working. What do you need to do? Just keep having faith in God. Don't shipwreck your faith. Keep trusting God. Keep praying. Keep waiting on the Lord and just hang in there. You know, we sing a song, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. And you know, we kind of get excited when the singer starts singing that. I think that's because it does something inside of us that lets us know that despite how we feel, that doesn't 
doesn't change the reality that God is and God is able and God is moving and God is working and God cares about me and God knows what's in my life and God will bring me a revival. Come on, give him praise in this house this morning. And the Bible tells us that the revival came to the people of God. What happened? This is important. Israel put away the Baals and Ashtoreth idols, and they chose to serve the Lord. And this was not the first time that Israel was confronted with their duplicity and challenged according to, to deal with their unfaithfulness. Joshua challenged them in Joshua 24, 14, 15. I don't have it on the screen. Just listen. Now there, and this is a scripture some of you have heard before. It's powerful. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Does that sound familiar? Same thing. Just a different generation. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then Joshua started preaching and said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Anybody feel that way about yourself and your family? Let me tell you something that's going to be painful for some of you. Revival usually comes by letting go of something and grabbing hold of God. <clears throat> you couldn't hold on to the Baals and Ashtoreths and have revival. They had to put them away. They had to let it go. You have to sever some relationships. You have to cut off some activities. There are some places that you don't go to anymore. There's some things you don't look at anymore. You have to cut them off. Let me, let me just talk about four that I think are going to be critical for revival. You've got to let go of bitterness and unforgiveness. I know they hurt you. I know she broke your heart. I know he said mean things or did things that broke your trust and has caused you deep pain and you can't get it off your mind. But you listen to me. If you let that thing dwell and fester, it'll turn into bitterness and it'll be unforgiveness. And God can't forgive you if you don't forgive them. You got to let it go. So how do I do that? Same thing, same way you do anything else. You make a choice. You choose to let them go. You choose to let the hurt go. I always feel better because I let them go and I turn them over to God. See, with bitterness and unforgiveness, you're wanting to do something yourself. You're just even hoping that your unforgiveness hurts them. Or the way you respond to them hurts them. But you're playing God. You're not God. You let them go. This is what I do. I say, Lord, you deal with them. Because when you get through with them, they wish they had dealt with me. So I just say, God, you deal with them. I've turned a lot of people over to Jesus. And it gives me release. I forgive them. I let them go. And then I say, God's going to deal with them. I might better start praying for them. You've got to let go of bitterness and unforgiveness if you want revival. You've got to let go of some people that will pull you away from the Lord. I'm telling you, if you're in a relationship with a guy or a gal 
and you're serious and you've got your heart involved and this person is not right and not serving the Lord, you are not going to have the spiritual condition that you want in your life because of this individual. Are you hearing me today? You, I love him. I love him. You can love him all you want, but that your love doesn't change them. Your love doesn't save them. Your love doesn't protect you from, from the sin and carnality and deceptiveness and shrewdness and the pain that they will inflict on you because you are opening your heart and your life to someone who doesn't know Jesus. And they will pull you away from God. And they will pull you away from your church. And they will pull you away from your family. I'm preaching right now. You think Abraham wanted to let Hagar go? Had been his concubine slash wife for years. And it was Sarah's fault, ladies. Come on now. Sarah's fault. I heard T.D. Jakes preach on this. He said, I've never met a woman like Sarah. I'll tell you right now, my wife wouldn't say to some other woman, you can share my man. She'd kill her. She'd kill her. Come on, how about y'all women? God said, let her go. She's got to go. Don't you think he shed some tears? Don't you think his heart was broke? But, but when he got Hagar for 14 years, he had no revelations from God, or however long it was, no revelations from God. God always spoke, showed up and spoke to him, but, but when he got with Hagar, all that ended. I'm telling you, you better hear the man of God. You got to let some people go. You got to let some things go, but if you will, God will bless you. You think he's so great, but God will give you a good man, a godly man that you can trust. He'll give you a good woman, a godly woman that you can trust. I am trying to help somebody today if you will listen to the man of God. And you'll have spiritual revival. you got to let go of pride and stubbornness and self-centeredness. I've seen a lot of people miss revival because they were proud. I'm not going to the altar. I'm not getting in a prayer line. Nobody's going to lay hands on me. I don't need a revival. I don't need all that Pentecostal stuff. I don't need all that stuff y'all got. That's right, okay. Keep on going with your dead self. See, because you think you all live, but the rest of us can see it. Get mad at me. I don't really want you mad at me, but get mad at me. But listen to the truth. I love you. Pride will, pride goeth before revival? No, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You're so worried about self. I don't want to go, I don't know how some, I don't know how, what people will think of me if they see me up there. If, 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 I, if I get on fire for God, I'm not sure what people will think. I know what they'll think. They'll think you're on fire for God. You may have to let go. Mm, I feel the pushback on this in the spirit. 
You know what the devil's downfall was, don't you? Pride. Go read the five I wills. I will ascend into the heavens. I will raise my throne above the throne of God. I will sit on the mount of this heaven. Five times the devil said, I will, I will, I will. When life's all about you, you're not going to have revival. Your business is not more important than a revival. Money is not more important than a revival. So they let go of some things, and they confess their sins. I'm almost done. Revival starts here. You confess your sins, and you get them under the blood. You repent. The children of Israel poured out water, which is a symbolism of a broken heart and lamentation. They poured out their souls to God. I'm going to tell a story that there actually may be people in this auditorium today who know this story and may have even been there, but I'm going to tell this story because I was there too. I'm going to give it from my perspective. Back in the early 1980s when my dad was state youth director, I was a teenager. My dad went to preach a revival at the Osborne Avenue Church of God here in Anderson. Today it is the Trinity Springs Church of God. Mom and dad and I would sing, and then dad would preach. I remember to this day as a teenager that we would get up to sing, and I felt the oppression of hell against me. I didn't know what it was. I could literally feel the oppression of hell pushing back against us. I sat down. I remember that first night I sat with my mom. Dad was about to preach. I looked at my mother. I said, Mom, what is going on? She said, Son, there are strongholds in this church, and the enemy is in this place fighting us. My dad preached that night, and it was like wading through mud. No response, nothing. The next night he came back, we sang, Dad preached the same thing, nothing. I don't remember if it was two, three nights. I'm wanting to think it was a three-night revival. But on the third night, we sang, and then Dad preached. Now, we had been praying, and the pastor had been praying. I don't remember. I don't know the details of the, of the time. All I do remember is that night when Dad preached, whatever God gave him, as Dad preached, there began to be a breakthrough in the Osborne Avenue Church of God. You could feel it. You could feel it. You could sense it with people. God was beginning to break down whatever it was that was in that place. You could feel that the devil had been routed and was on the run, and suddenly there was a liberty that was coming in that place. I remember it as if it were yesterday. When dad gave the altar call, they had those, those classic altars, you know, kind of low to the ground, long altars. You all know what I'm talking about? They had those in that church. And I remember distinctly, I had never seen this happen before. That's why it's burned in my memory. I watched those altars fill. They didn't fill at all that week, but that night people ran to the altars in the church. I watched grown men stretch themselves out on the floor face down with their arms wrapped around the legs of the altars, weeping and sobbing and confessing and crying out to God. And my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I got to shout right now. And God gave a breakthrough in the Osborne Avenue Church of God that night. I'm here to tell you, if you'll just humble yourself and pour yourself out to God, God will step in and give you a revival in your life. I know he'll do it. I've seen him do it. They prayed. Come on, musicians, come quickly. They prayed. And specifically, 
Samuel prayed for them. Now, I know a lot of you have been coming here. We're a Pentecostal church. We've been in revival. I know it seems strange for me to preach this when this church has such an awesome presence and power of God, but I just think we're about to go into another dimension. Who wants to go to another level? Come on, do you want to go to another level? Do you? You ready to pay the price? Are you? We do it here, but boy, a lot of times in revival, especially in Pentecost revival, you get a prayer line. Preacher, evangelists lay hands on you. I've done it when I've gone off to preach. You get an anointing on you to lay hands on people. There's something about the laying on of hands from an anointed man or woman of God. God starts delivering and saving and restoring and healing and performing miracles and the gifts operate. I told you earlier that revival starts with confession, but confession happens through prayer. Praying people experience the life and power of the Holy Spirit. Praying people get a breakthrough. Praying people leave the altar transformed by the power of God. You just got to talk to Him. And He'll breathe on you. I've told this story before, but I felt little of the Lord to tell it again. I want to get down there so bad, but I don't know if the camera people like that. I was a young preacher, just started preaching. And an unusual man became friends with my dad. I say unusual because he was sort of a country guy, but he was a multimillionaire. He owned an orange grove in Florida. Big business. He also pastored a small independent church. He liked to play golf, and me and dad, him, we'd play golf, and he said, you want to come preach a revival for me? I said, man, I'll preach a revival anywhere. I'll preach in your orange grove. I just want to preach. He said, you come to my church. We're going to pre- have you preach a revival. I said, okay. Came to that little country church in Florida. Little church, country church. I'm a green preacher, but I preached that night. I remember the specific night I preached. Power of God fell, gave an altar call. Man, God's moving, touching people. I'm going laying hands on people. And I come to this cat. I remember he wore overalls, overall bibs. I laid hands on him. I'm all fired up, Billy. Woo, I'm laying hands on him. Oh, my God, touch him, Lord. He moved about like this lectern right here. Thought maybe I need to pray a little harder. God, touch him, Lord. You know, I'm 20. Touch him, Lord. I said, forget him. I'm going to somebody who's got some life in him. And I gave up on him, and I went over. I started praying for other people. But you know who didn't give up on him? The guy who cared about him the most, the shepherd. By the way, the shepherd cares about you more than the evangelist. The shepherd cares about you more than the TV evangelist. Your pastor cares for you. Pastor will be there when there's trouble. The TV evangelist, I, I need to quit. He'll take your money. Well, Pastor got a hold of him and started praying. Took him by the hands. That old boy was like the rock of Gibraltar. 
He's like that old hymn, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. That's that man. He was not going to move. The preacher just would not give up and kept praying, crying out to God and praying in tongues. And I'm just kind of watching out in the corner, right? I'm thinking, dude, you're wasting your time. And I'm over here praying for people. They won't revive. I kept watching, and all of a sudden, he went. I said, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh, what was that? I mean, that pastor wouldn't let go. I'm talking about five minutes. He's pre- That old man started. I said, oh, the iceberg is melting. The ice cube is cracking. And I, I don't know if I even, I don't even know if I watched, prayed for people anymore. I think I just kind of, it's going to be good. 20, you know. And next thing I know, that preacher wouldn't let go. He kept praying for him and praying with him. And that man started praying. And he started praising. And the next thing I know, the rock of Gibraltar was shouting. Woo! 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 Hearing a preacher dancing. I don't know what kind of dancing. I love that 80s pre-service music we were wanting to do Mr. Robot. I don't know where Gabe got that from. But they were dancing. Woo! The preacher started going, woo! And that man cut loose in those overalls and got a spiritual. Now you say, Pastor, do you have to do all that to have revival? No, 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 no. You don't understand. Why he did that is because God inside gave him a revival. What was happening on the inside was being manifested on the outside. And when God breathes on you and brings you to life, everybody will know it. Stand to your feet. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.